Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Beyond Sunday, the podcast where we talk about the everyday Christian life. My name is Jonathan Sams and I'm back here with Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike, we mentioned last week something that we've been thinking about and we've even talked about as we started this podcast, doing a whole podcast on. We just haven't done it yet, but this week is the week. So here it is. Are backsliding Christians a real thing? And <laughs> what, what do we mean by backsliding Christian? You had referenced this last week. So I'll give, give you the chance. Just define what you mean by or what you hear people say when they say, oh, yeah, I was just a backsliding Christian. Yeah, this is a term that was really popular, you know, probably a decade or so ago. And um, I think it's, you know, kind of gained a little bit uh, of momentum again recently where people kind of look back and they, they point to those days. But you have these people that say like, you know, yeah, I was, uh, I was just, these were my backsliding years, you know, as t- and, and what they mean is these are just years I just didn't live for Jesus, care about spiritual things, care about Jesus things. I was just kind of doing my own thing, you know, running in, in the ways of the world. And kind of the back end of this is what you get is, and I'd love to dive into this a little bit too, because I think it connects to it. Um, but this is where you also get the rededication language. So normally, oh, yeah. you know, you've got this call and it's like, do you want to receive Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life to Christ? And so this rededication piece is connected to this backsliding piece because it's like, well, I backslid and I've got to, I've got to rededicate. And so, you know, to answer your question, it's this this season of life where you're just not walking with the Lord. Basically, is how I would I would summarize how people think it, about it. Yeah, and the rededication language, I mean, was big for me growing up. Like I would hear the altar call at the end would be like exactly what you said. Hey, do you need to accept Jesus for the first time, or do you need to rededicate your life? And um, I always thought it was odd because like it, it doesn't really make sense, especially when the same time those same churches would be like once saved, always saved. And it's <laughs> right. like, well, okay, what's, what's going on? So that begs the question, like is backsliding Christian a term we see in the Bible? Like, you know, we're Bible people here. So like, is that, is that a pattern we ever see in scripture? Yeah. We don't see it anywhere in scripture. There, there is nowhere in scripture where we see a person um, or, or a process for this kind of backsliding mentality. Um, people will, you know, point to somebody like David, and they're like, "Well, look at David. Um, he sinned, and he had repentance." Psalm fifty-one. He was confronted right after a sin, somewhere. I mean, fairly recently after a sin, and he had repentance. You know, and so, and we see that very clearly in, in uh, Psalm fifty-one. And so, there wasn't like this season of backsliding. He had a series of bad decisions. He but he didn't have a season of backsliding where it was a elongated period of time. And when he was confronted, he repented. You know, and so we, we just don't see anywhere in Scripture room for a, a backsliding or, man, the, there's years I just went zero dark 30 on my Christian walk. <laughs> you know, I mean, we just don't see it. In fact, I'm in First John right now, and, and the thing that John's hammering is, if God's light and you say that you have a relationship with Him, then you walk in the light. Like, there's no room for, you know, well, I just go walk in darkness, and he says that. He's like, you don't, you're a liar if you say that you have fellowship with God and you walk in darkness. Now, that doesn't mean perfection, and John talks about this, but it's the pursuit of, the consistent pursuit of God, um, and in the times where you fall short, you have repentance. And so I think it's it's really important because what people do is they justify sinful seasons of their life with backsliding instead of owning it for what it is, which was probably they just weren't saved. And that's okay, but let's just let's call it what it is, because Scripture is clear, like in 2 Corinthians 5, where, therefore, anyone's in Christ is a new creation, the old is gone, and the new has come. We, there, there's no room for that, For but there's also this middle ground where you backslid in the midst or the meantime. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let me play devil's advocate on this. What if someone was like, well, then like, what's the point of church discipline, right? Because like, if you think about someone who maybe a, a local church is going to put under discipline, maybe that person would be described as to by some as quote unquote backsliding. Therefore, they're 
being put on discipline. Do you see a difference there versus what people generally use the term with, or are they kind of different cases? What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think with discipline, it is a it, a person being confronted about a specific sin that they're walking in with no repentance. Um, and you know, I think when you think about backsliding, it's it's this total life like a like season where you abandon the faith, you know, and you kind of do your own thing. Um, now, I think, you know, when we walk in church discipline, it could reveal that person never actually was saved if there's continually no repentance. Um, but I don't think church discipline is designed to address a backsliding Christian um, so much as it is to confront a sinning Christian. So what's the difference between, because you said backsliding Christians are not a thing. Right. So what's the difference between someone who maybe thinks they're a quote unquote backsliding Christian, but actually is not a Christian and a sinning Christian that needs to be confronted? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, the beauty of church discipline is it kind of finds out, and I think this is why Jesus gives it to us, it kind of finds the person out as to whether or not they're truly saved, because, you know, the goal to respond, the goal for discipline is, um, you know, reconciliation, like being reconciled back to, you know, God through repentance. Um, and so when, when we practice discipline, you're talking about a, a covenant church member, so their faith was validated, you know, through the covenant member process, and that person then is living in continual unrepentant sin, not feeling, you know, uh, any conviction by that, so they're confronted, um, you know, through the church discipline process, which starts with one individual and then moves to multiple individuals, etc. And so you've got a, a who is a person who's been a confirmed Christian in the midst of a, a sin or sin pattern that's being confronted. The, the backslider is the jury's out, you know, like, man, I just, and here, let me give you, make it a very, and some of this is semantics and I understand that, like, right. but let me give you an example that typically people use is like, man, I came to Christ in, in, you know, high school, I prayed a prayer, went to, you know, youth group and I was actively involved in my church, grew up in a Christian home, man, I went to college and I just kind of backslid all through college. And you you know, you're like, what, what, what do you mean? It was like, well, I was getting drunk. I was sleeping around. I was, you know, uh, cheating on my, t- I was doing all the, and you know, it's all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, was there was there any evidence whatsoever of like Christ in you or, or remorse or like, well, I knew that I felt bad. Like I felt bad for doing those things. And you're like, well, Romans one, we all feel bad, you know, sin. We know when we sin, you know? Um, and so, it, but it's like, there was just this kind of a band, like this, what were you involved in a local church? No, I wouldn't involve in local church. So you see these, the, the, the backsliding is typically these longer seasons of life where it's like, I just did my own thing. I was Lord of my life for, for a period of time. Yeah, and that's that why I say there's a difference between, you know, a discipline process that's to and toward a covenant member whose, whose faith has been validated to the best of the knowledge of the elders versus an individual that just kind of says I was doing my own thing. Yeah, I find that people who use the term backsliding Christian or like I was a quote-unquote backsliding Christian, it's generally in the situation where maybe they're amongst Christians and they don't want to they don't want to feel like they're a new Christian. They don't want to like come across right. like they don't want to feel this like level of like it's not shameful at all, but they, there's this certain like a uh, stigma of like oh I don't want to come across as like I just became a Christian. So like, I'll just say like, oh yeah, I was a Christian in middle school. And then I I backslid from middle school to, to the time I was 25. And it's like, well, so what would you say if you're in that conversation or like someone used the example you used, how as a Christian, should we address those people? Yeah, that's a good question. And I've had the multiple conversations like this where I want to drill down with them. So let me ask you this. When did you really understand what the gospel meant for you? You know, when, when was it that you really saw the, the depths of your sin and the beauty of God's grace through Christ? And, and that's where I want the conversation to go, because nine times out of ten, they'll go, well, man, I, I mean, I feel like I've kind of realized that, you know, recently or in the past six months or the past year or, or whatever. And then what I want to help them see is that was actually after the time of their of their backsliding. And a lot of times I'll kind of, if, if I have a decent relational equity with the person, I'll kind of confront it head on with like, man, I backslid through college, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'll kind of say like, man, you know, I, 
I want to hear more about that because what we see in Scripture is we, we just don't see room for backsliding. Like, we don't see any examples of that. Um, we don't even have any prescribed processes for that, um, you know, for somebody that just kind of does their own thing for years on end. And, you know, I want them to kind of be like, well, you know, I mean, I, like I knew what I was doing was wrong. It's like, well, yeah, we all, you know, and then you're able to walk through kind of the, the progression of, you know, what it means to be human of like knowing what wrong is. And, and Big plug right there for knowing anthropology. Yeah. I mean, you know, proper it's, theology of what it means to be human. It's huge. Yeah. That you have, everybody's born with the knowledge of, of good right. and evil, right and wrong, you know, Romans one and, and um, another podcast for another day, yep, another but podcast. you know, I, I think helping people see that and going, man, you know, this, this whole backsliding you know, ideology that you're you're claiming that you've you've heard kind of regurgitated through people, it does nothing for you. You know, it doesn't help you. That doesn't, and it's not shameful if you just came to Christ six or eight months ago. Like, man, what we care about is you know the gospel now. Right. We're not even concerned about who cares what happened then if you're in Christ right now. Yeah. So let's just own that reality because what we don't want to do, and this is where it gets dangerous, people use this backsliding to justify other people's salvation when they're like, I've heard people say this, like, man, oh, they're a believer, but they're just not walking with the Lord right now, and you're like. Oh yeah, I remember. This, this reminds me. So this is years ago in community group. We had um, a guy come, uh, new guy, older gentleman, and he was he was talking about his son, and he was like, you know, yeah, my son accepted Christ when he was like in high school, but he's just backslid all you know all his life, and just started describe like drug problems, alcohol problems, the whole gamut, and he said, you know, but I'll see him in heaven one day, right. and we were like, well, has he like? Is, has she shown any remorse or repentance? And he was like, no, but he was like, but he prayed the prayer. Right. He's just backsliding. And it's like, well. And that's what it's attached to. And so so here's the thing, and let me connect the dots on this. What backsliding does is it banks your salvation on a prayer, which we don't see in Scripture either. There's nowhere in Scripture that you're prescribed a prayer to pray. It's it's a belief to assume. It's a posture of your life, right? It's it's faith. Nowhere do we see a prayer. What this whole backsliding mantra does is it, is it ties salvation to a prayer and then there's where we get to the back end of it. When when you do quote unquote backslide, you need to pray another prayer to quote unquote rededicate your life. Yeah. And what we never see in scripture, I'll be very clear on this, we never see any form of rededication language in scripture. What we see is repentance. And that's turning back to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so I think what happens is, is you throw these terms together and you put them in a very kind of nominal church setting. Man, it makes sense. Like, oh, I prayed a prayer. Like, I thought that's what saved me. I didn't walk with the Lord at all. I hear a message that's compelling and convicting. I need to pray another prayer to quote unquote rededicate my life back. But we never see real change come from that. Why? Well, because we're banking it on a prayer, on an experience, etc. And it's why we're okay saying we backslid. What we see the Bible show showing us about what the Christian life is, according to to John one and so many other places, Second Corinthians five. You know, you name it. We could go on and on. But it is a death-to-life experience. The old you, Colossians, the old you is gone. There is a new you. You put off and you put on. You've become a total new creation. Um, Ezekiel would say that you had a heart of stone that's now been made a heart of flesh. Like, you are literally a different person. You go from not having God in you through the power of the Holy Spirit to having the Holy Spirit inside of you. And, and I would argue that you cannot have the full power of the Holy Spirit inside of you that happens upon true faith and belief in the finished work of Jesus and it not leak out of you in some capacity. Like, yeah. we're not capable of subduing the power of the Spirit. So, like, if you really believe you're really saved, then, man, you really have the power of the Spirit. And so to go years on end, you know, of, of just actively in rebellion, it just, it, it, it doesn't make biblical sense. Yeah, and I think that's one correlation here and i'd love to get your thoughts is it seems like the backsliding christian language comes mostly and exclusively out of cultural christianity yeah like you don't really hear 
people who didn't grow up in Christian homes and um, didn't grow up around the church, you don't hear them using the term backsliding Christian. Right. Like you generally only hear it in like where we are today in kind of the South where it's cultural Christianity and everyone's a Christian and, you know, everyone goes to church on Christmas and Easter. Like cultural Christianity has produced backsliding Christianity as the term itself, at least what I see of it. No, I totally agree with that because what we've created is a guilt-driven religion that's based off of moralism, and so heaven forbid we own our sin, right? And we look at the grace of Christ, we feel guilty and shameful, and so we want to hide, but we want to hide away from all that and just be like, well, man, it was just a season of backsliding, but by golly, I'm turning my life around, or I'm going to rededicate my life to Christ, and it's like, man, we we don't see that, you know, we we see, man, when you're in the midst of sin when you're caught in the midst of sin, when sin happens, there's repentance where you turn back in faith to the finished work of Jesus and go, though I feel the conviction for my sin, which is different than guilt and shame. Guilt and shame drive you away from uh, Jesus. Um, conviction drives you to him. So I, I feel convicted. I know that I crossed the line, but I'm at the feet of Jesus saying, I know also know that you paid for that and that God doesn't see me any different because of that sin. He sees me through the grace and blood of, of Christ. And so I think to your point, it's all tied up in this guilt-driven religion, moralistic you know, yeah. Christianity than anything. Yeah, and that's not real Christianity, right? It's not at all. Yeah. And yeah. that's why you'll never hear me say, like, some of y'all need to rededicate your life. Like, if you've been backsliding, like, I would just say that you're not saved and you just need to see Jesus for who he is and experience the salvation that he offers and quit trying to think about rededicating and, and reorienting. You know, you don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need a new life. That's what I'll typically say. Yeah, that's good. You know, helping people see that, man, you know, get rid of all that. But, and, and part of that is you've got it. The gospel is offensive, right? And, and why it's offensive is it, is it calls you on your sin and it forces you to admit it before a perfect and holy God. And, and we hide behind that backsliding language. We hide behind those kind of things. And we try to evade that as opposed to just walking in it and being like, yeah, man, I'm more sinful than I can ever imagine, but I'm more loved than I could ever dream through what Christ has done for me. Yeah, that's really good. And so going back to this whole idea of how we interact with people who would describe themselves maybe as a backsliding Christian. Like, is it worth the conversation if someone today is now an actual believer, fruit and everything, but yet describes themselves previously as like, oh yeah, I got saved way back when, but then I backslid, but I'm a Christian today. Like they're not in the backsliding phase. Is it worth us? Should Christians look to call that out or should we kind of just move on. Yeah, call out may be a strong word, but but conversation is a better word, and I think we should, and I think we should for two reasons. I think, number one, it impacts potentially believers' baptism. We did a podcast on that last That's week. True. You know, so um, following up with, a, you know, an outward act of obedience based off an inward transformation that's happened, that happened, so we get baptized after conversion, right. so it impacts when your baptism is. The second is, and this is the most important piece, is it also jades other people because they assume that they're saved because they're in a, quote, backsliding phase right now, as opposed to a surrendered phase, which is what Christianity is. And so if we're not clear on our salvation story, it's going to muddy other people's because we have those conversations and it's like, you know, yeah, I was backsliding or they'll go, man, you know, they're just backsliding. It's like, we've got to stop saying that. Like there's no, that's not a category that the Bible gives us. You're either saved or you're not. You're dead or you're alive. You have a new heart or you have an old heart. Yeah. So it almost does a disservice. It does. Oh, they're just backsliding or they just backslid because then when that person goes and shares their testimony, it validates this idea that like, oh, it's okay to backslide. Yeah. And it also shows that you can actually be a Christian and have years of unrepentant sin in your life, which I just don't think there's room for that. Like years of unrepentant Unremor- like just doing what you want to do. I, I think that miscommunicates what Christianity is. Because if, if that's possible, right, to go years of, of just living the life of the world, 
then, then what we're functionally saying is you can have the power of the spirit. You can subdue that power. You actually don't become a new creation. It's kind of up to you. Yeah. And you getting out of the backsliding phase. Right. And that's just, that's not true. And it's not anywhere. I mean, again, read first John. It is. Yeah. It, it seems like it promotes this, like, oh, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and rededicate your life, rededicate your life, clean yourself up a bit. And then God will be happy with then you're you. You're good. Right. Right. And you go a season and then maybe you backslide some more. Right. How do you ever know? And it's, these are important conversations and we've had, I've had many of them because it's helped do a couple of things. One, help people understand their spiritual story and maybe they got saved at a different point than they thought. Um, and secondarily, it's, it's led to salvation conversations, you know, and, and I think that's, what's beautiful is, is helping people see like, man, and I think we've got to, we've got to change this in, you know, somehow this is a subculture of Christianity, but people feel guilty for having been around the things of God, but not surrendering to the person of God. Yeah, people and, do feel guilt and Yeah, shame. and we're walking through several right now just in, in our local church of people that are like, man, but if I come out and say, you know, that I just got saved, like this feels very uncomfortable because I've grown up in X, 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 and X. And it's like, bro, that, anybody, anybody, and I said this with baptism, anybody that looks at that and goes, mm, shame on you, bro, they got some serious heart issues. Like they got some serious heart issues because that is that is antithetical to the gospel. The gospel says yes and amen to anybody that believes, that right. heaven rejoices over one that's been lost and is now found. And so, you know, that underlying subculture has got to cease and desist. Like, we want people that have been cultural Christians or nominal Christian, Christian by name, that realize, oh, shoot, I've not been surrendered to Christ. I've been around the things of Christ, just like the Pharisees, but I've never surrendered to the person of Christ. We want them to know it is okay for you to trust in Jesus, and you've been in church your entire life. Yeah, and it seems like we need a revival of that happening to be able to combat cultural Christianity as it exists today, right? Yeah, we need a revival of the saved in a lot of ways of people just saying, hey, that was me. I grew up around the church. I was moralistic. I was moral. But man, true heart transformation, it just wasn't me. Yeah. You know, I wasn't living a surrendered life. Yeah, so called out too big of term, but at least have a conversation for the purpose of potentially baptism, but also to help clarify the testimony as a better witness to the outside world, right? Yeah, because it's... It, it weakens the gospel to say like, oh, I could I could be transformed by this supernatural by God Himself, and then just be like, ah, no, nah, not for me, and I'm gonna move on. Yeah, for, it minimizes it. it, makes it a weak gospel, a gospel that can save but doesn't transform. Right, and that's not what we see in Scripture. And your story, the kind of the last place I'll say on this is like your story is one of the greatest tools that God's given you because it's really His story in you. Right, and so it's one of your greatest tools for evangelism. So if you're not clear and you don't have a right theology of your own story then, man, it can really jack up somebody else's or justify where they are. And, you know, I know it can be hard and it can be uncomfortable to have to own that reality. Um, and there may be glimpses of different things in different moments of this backsliding years, but it's like, man, at the end of the day, are you were you surrendered or were you not? You know, were you repentant of your sin or were you not? Were you a confessional person? You know, First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Like, were you a confessional? Are you a confessional person? You know, those are the kind of questions that we want to ask because they, they just matter. Yeah, that's a really great place to end it. And I know you, Pastor Mike, your, your prayer for anyone listening and my prayer for anyone listening is that if that's you, as you're listening to this, that you would surrender for the first time to Absolutely. Uh, the gospel and believe. Um, and that's not shameful. And uh, it, we, we would love for that to happen. Like you said, heaven rejoices over that happening. So we'd encourage that for you. If you're listening and you have friends who have described themselves as this, we'd encourage you to have that conversation. Just be gentle and kind, but have the conversation around what, what that looks like and how it clarifies baptism and clarifies testimony. Uh, but with that being said, if you have any follow-up questions on this, send those to us at pastormike at imageatl.com. We release this podcast every Friday. Give us a follow, like, share it with your friends, and we'll talk to you next Friday.